Thank you, Mr. Chairman. To all of you who are here this evening, I accept this honor because it's something that uh, I take as a privilege to serve. But for me and all of you here, our work is still undone. What you saw on January 6th is still real. What you see every day in Washington and around the country is real. So for the NAACP to give me this award, for someone who attended Bolton Colored School, uh, who never had a new textbook his whole public school career, uh, I accept it. But I also understand that there's clearly other work to be done. So I accept it in that spirit of Martin, Medgar, Fannie Lou Hamer, Aaron and Henry, all of the people. And all of the sheroes and heroes that go unsung. So, in the spirit of my African brothers, Alua continues, the struggle continues. You just listened to Congressman Benny G. Thompson accepting the Chairman's Award at the 54th NAACP Image Awards. Calling Congressman Thompson an inspiration would be an immense understatement, and I am so honored to share a little of his story today. Hi, I'm Yasmin Ware, and this is Yasmin's Warehouse. Congressman Benny G. Thompson is currently serving his 15th term in the United States House of Representatives as a representative of Mississippi's 2nd Congressional District. He is the longest-serving African-American elected official in the state and serves as a ranking member of the House Committee on Homeland Security, where I had the privilege of interning this summer. Congressman Thompson was born and raised in Bolton, Mississippi, to Will and Annie Loris Thompson. His parents were an auto mechanic and a school teacher, respectively. He grew up during segregation, experiencing firsthand the disparities caused by racism. He has dedicated his life to empowering marginalized communities, beginning as a civil rights champion with the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee while studying political science at Tougaloo College. He also became a member of the Kappa Alpha Psi fraternity while attending Tougaloo and met the love of his life, Mrs. London Johnson. After earning a master's degree in educational administration from Jackson State University, Congressman Thompson served as an alderman and mayor of his hometown, co-founded the Mississippi Association of Black Mayors, worked as the Hines County Supervisor, and played a crucial role in establishing the National Center for Minority Health and Healthcare Disparities, just to name a few of his phenomenal leadership roles within the state. Congressman Thompson was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives on April 20, 1993. 
Throughout his congressional career, he has served on various committees, eventually becoming the first ever Democratic chairman of the Homeland Security Committee in 2005. In 2021, Congressman Thompson was appointed as a chairman of the Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol, leading a comprehensive investigation to prevent similar incidents in the future. Congressman Thompson uses his position to uplift the voices of underrepresented communities, earning him a special place in the most influential halls of our nation. I can personally attest to his innate ability to make everyone feel valued, and his presence alone reminds me, and I'm sure from this interview you'll be reminded too, that America is home to all of us. He works tirelessly to protect the rights and liberties that haven't always been given to us, but have always been deserved. And without further ado, let's begin our journey back to his hometown of Bolton, Mississippi. Congressman Thompson began our conversation by saying, Well, as you know, uh, for the most part, you're the sum total of your experiences. So for me, growing up in a segregated uh, town in Mississippi was no different than any other child uh, growing up in a similar situation. Uh, Black people lived on one side of town, white people lived on the other. Uh, I went uh, to the black school as a black child, white kids. Uh, went to the white school. Uh, The white school had a gymnasium, a cafeteria, a library, and was all brick. Uh, The black school had no indoor plumbing, no cafeteria. Uh, The rest facilities uh, was an outhouse behind the school. And, And so my new textbooks were non-existent. Uh, I went my entire public school career without uh, ever having a new textbook. All my textbooks were passed down uh, from the white school to the black school. Uh, But I had good teachers. I had a good community. I had a good church home. Uh, And uh, speaking of church homes, uh, Sunday morning in my hometown, was the most segregated time uh, of the week. That means the white folk went to the white church and black people went to the black church. That was never in my entire uh, growing up that I ever see a white person other than when the civil rights movement came to the South uh, in my church. Uh, It just didn't happen. And by a white person, I'm talking about somebody from Bolton, Mississippi. Uh, And likewise, uh, the only black person that went to the white church was a person that took care of the nursery while church was going on. So, but my hometown was no different. Uh, The majority of uh, the people who lived there worked in some form of agriculture. They picked cotton, they... They, they, they worked on the farm. And those young people who basically 
became teenagers aspired to leave. So a majority of my high school uh, classmates, one of the comments was, uh, I'd get my diploma and a bus ticket the same day. They then went to Chicago, Detroit, Los Angeles, New York, anywhere uh, but Mississippi. So, so, and that was, you know, the community that I, I lived in. The, the police only arrested uh, black people. Uh, I never saw a white person arrested uh, until I got to be mayor years later. It's just that uh, the police was in small rural towns there to keep black people in line. When white people did things, they were just kind of told, don't do it again. And so it's that backdrop that uh, I grew up in. As Congressman Thompson expressed, we are the sum total of our experiences, and his experiences growing up in segregation came with a definitive example of the systemic impact of white supremacy. Segregative social contexts create a framework that claims, however untrue, that white Americans deserve more and better. The civil rights movement not only refuted white supremacist ideologies, but actively fought for a more equitable future for black Americans. As you can imagine, Mississippi had, and still has, a long way to go. But leaders like Congressman Thompson realized it was worth the fight and refused to run or back down. After completing high school, Congressman Thompson took a critical step in his journey into leadership by enrolling at Tougaloo College, a distinguished private, historically black college and university, HBCU, nestled in Jackson, Mississippi. As I matured and became exposed to other things, I credit Tougaloo College with giving me that exposure. I met Martin Luther King Jr. on the campus of Tougaloo College. I met Stokely Carmichael, uh, Dick Gregory, uh, Rap Brown. Tougaloo was a safe haven for the civil rights movement because it was a private college and the police couldn't come on the campus. So anytime there was something about change, uh, Tougaloo College was front and center, and it was that exposure that I had. Uh, first campaign I worked on was Miss Fannie Lou Hamer's campaign for Congress. I now represent that seat here in Congress, but it all started with a political science instructor uh, saying we go into the Mississippi Delta and do voter registration for this lady uh, who has the nerve to want to run for Congress. So 
uh, that kind of kicked it off uh, in the interim. The Meredith March Against Fear, uh, where uh, uh, James Meredith's march from Memphis, Tennessee, was shot in, along the way. Uh, but fortunately, uh, he recovered enough toward the end of the walk, uh, and the, the, the effort into Jackson was orchestrated around Tougaloo College. And so we all walked into town. And so it was that kind of a backdrop that allowed me to, to figure out that maybe my lot in life was staying in Mississippi rather than leave. Uh, my two brothers and my sister all left. Uh, and because at that time there was just not many opportunities uh, for black men or women uh, beyond uh, uh, certain professions. And so I graduated, uh, met my wife uh, at Tougaloo. We married shortly thereafter, and uh, I became very active in in politics, and so till this day, I'm still active. Between the Great Migration and the more recent brain drain phenomenon, the movement of people away from the South, including Mississippi, is a familiar trend. The echoes of slavery and segregation persist in various aspects of life, including the economy and racial segregation that still lingers in some areas. However, the crucial question arises, how can Mississippi or the broader South expect to progress when many of its brightest talents leave for better opportunities elsewhere? As a Mississippian with aspirations in international policy, I, like many of my peers, grapple with this dilemma whether to invest in the place that we love or seek greater opportunities for our careers elsewhere. Having experienced both investing in his home and enjoying an exceptional career, I approached the congressman to seek his advice for fellow Mississippians facing the same uncertainty about staying or leaving. You leave and acquire the skill sets and talents that you can bring back to our state, uh, if at all possible. If for some reason uh, you do leave and don't come back, don't forget us. You know, uh, I used to run up on people, say, oh, how is it down there? And they from there. I said, look, go home sometime. Uh, if you're doing so good where you are, you ought to give something back. Uh, and I say to those who uh, perhaps are making decisions to leave, uh, just don't forget us. Um, uh, adopt a charity. Uh, uh, do some volunteer work when you come home. If you're in an a, a employment situation where your employer matches contributions to communities. You know, you just can't divorce yourself from who you are and where you're from. Uh, the irony of that situation is I used to meet people in, in, in other parts of the country 
who was from my hometown in Bolton, and they would tell people they're from Jackson because somehow they were ashamed of being from a little country town. Uh, uh, and I can understand that. There's a lot of bad things happening, but you can't forget who you are. So for a young person, first of all, get as much credentials as you can. Make sure that uh, the life lessons you acquire on the way, you don't forget them. And, and you have to have and maintain a moral compass. If you maintain that moral compass, you'll do just fine in life. Uh, but that moral compass eventually, uh, in my humble opinion, will lead you back home. And I, for one, sure hope it does. Mississippi is my home, where my heart is. And just like the congressman, I hope to one day use my resources to do everything that I can for Mississippi, while also recognizing everything that Mississippi has done for me. And that is literally everything. As a dedicated member of the House of Representatives, Congressman Thompson navigates two distinct legislative environments, his home state of Mississippi and the bustling halls of Washington, D.C. Congressman Thompson's remarkable career and contributions testify to his capabilities and dedication, yet he still remains subject to the pervasive forces of bias and discrimination that persist in our society. I'm challenged every day by being a black male in Congress from Mississippi because there's still a double standard in this society. Um, I can be a 30-year member of Congress. Uh, I can be a 50-plus year husband. Uh, I can be a 70-plus year United Methodist and I'm still not good enough in the eyes of society, but I don't give up. So part of what I do every day that I'm alive is try to make a difference. At the heart of Congressman Thompson's mission is empowering underrepresented groups and... Young people who otherwise might not have the opportunity uh, to do that. And if everyone assumed that level of helping young people, I think we'd be better off rather than criticizing them. Uh, let's understand that we were young once and that there were things we did back then that might not be popular or best. But fortunately, uh, our, the older people didn't give up on us. You know, they just, for whatever reason, just kept trying. And so we have to keep trying with, with the young folks. Um, uh, times are different. Uh, there are a lot of challenges out here that confront young people. We have to work with them to get them beyond some of those challenges. But it's, it's a work in progress uh, on a regular. You can't just tell a person one thing and then it's done. No, you got to repeat it. And so... I try uh, to tell young people that you can come from a town of 
500 people. You can go to a segregated school. Uh, all of the pitfalls against you. Uh, and, and, and somehow you can make it. Uh, my job is to now, here in Congress, make sure that those programs that help get people off the bottom, that we do it. So I'm going to support every education program opportunity, whether it's Pell Grants for young folk to go to college, whether it's Head Start for them to start uh, preschool, whether it's the Affordable Care Act to make sure that if a young person gets sick, uh, there's an opportunity for them to go to a doctor, free and reduced meals, that uh, if you go to school, uh, there's breakfast, lunch, and a snack uh, if you're not able to provide it. So our job is to put young people in a position to be the best that they can be. And that's not much of an investment for the wealthiest country in the world. And so it bothers me when people talk about uh, people being too dependent on the system when the majority of those people saying that got where they are because the system treated them differently. And so uh, I'm comfortable when I vote to help people. Uh, I also recognize that a lot of the people that I vote to help, they can't afford lobbyists to come to Washington. They can't afford to even come to Washington themselves and lobby. Uh, so that's why I spend a lot of my time in the district meeting people. When I had hair, I'd meet them in the barbershop. Uh, I see them at the cleaners. You know, I see them at, at a SWAC football game. I see them uh, at the church and other places. And that's how I take my poll on whether Benny Thompson is doing what he need to do. And, and so it's important for me uh, to, to give back to the people who created this opportunity for me to serve. Uh, I never meet a stranger. I want people to feel very comfortable in our conversation. And you know, I don't really write speeches anymore because I'm going to say the same thing to every group that I meet. You know, Sometimes politicians tailor the speech to the group. But I think my message is about progress. Uh, my message is about making a difference. My message is for all of us to make a contribution. And for those who are less fortunate in making a contribution, we have to help them. Uh, I speak a lot of time in churches. And sometimes I say, I wonder what would happen if a homeless person walked in church this morning. Would we welcome them or would we close the door? And I look around at the faces and they say, my God, most of the time we'd close the door or we'd usher them out because somehow 
they might not be dressed properly. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes we have to to get embarrassed to do the right thing. And, and so for me, um, I think it's important that I set a good example for young people to to try to uh, become the best that they can be. And if you can come from the segregated South, I'm convinced that you can do just about anything you want to with just a little help, just a little help. The congressman has taken chances on hundreds of passionate students, providing them with opportunities they may have not otherwise had to intern or work on staff. Through his mentorship and support, he propels these young talents into successful and fulfilling careers, opening doors that lead to transformative experiences and personal growth. By nurturing the potential of underrepresented individuals, Congressman Thompson is making our government truly reflect the rich tapestry of America. He understands that when voices from all walks of life are included in the decision-making process, our democracy becomes stronger, fairer, and more effective. Congressman Benny Thompson has not only empowered the American youth, but he has also defended America's soul. On July 1st, 2021, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi named Congressman Thompson chairman of the Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol. Proud of your boy! For awareness, be advised, there's probably about 300 uh, Proud Boys that are marching eastbound in this uh, 400 block of um, kind of independent, actually, on the mall. Morning. We're going to try to get compliance, but this is now effectively a riot. 49 hours declaring it a riot. These are our streets. I hope so. I hope so. Because if Mike Pence does the right thing, we win the election. This is going to have to come through for us. And if he doesn't, that will be a, a sad day for our country. Because you'll never, ever take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol will be in order. Last week, the Select Committee laid out a preview of our initial findings about the conspiracy overseen and directed by Donald Trump to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election and block the transfer of power, a scheme unprecedented in American history by trying to rob you of your voice in our democracy and in doing so, lit the fuse that led to the horrific violence on January 6th, when a mob of his supporters stormed the Capitol sent by Donald Trump to 
stop the transfer of power. On January 6, 2021, a large crowd, fueled by false claims of election fraud, breached the Capitol building during the certification of the Electoral College results. The world watched in shock as chaos unfolded, and lawmakers were forced to evacuate to safety. The insurrection left a deep scar on the nation's conscience, raising concerns about the fragility of democracy and the need for accountability. In the aftermath of this tragic event, Congressman Thompson took the critical role as the chairman of the select committee investigating the attack. His leadership became essential in seeking truth, understanding the factors that led to the breach, and holding those accountable for their actions. I was honored to ask the congressman, the foremost leader in investigating the attack, about his reflections on how this event reshaped or affirmed America's national identity. Well, first of all, what the public saw with his own eyes actually happened. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a narrative out there that, oh, it really wasn't a violent demonstration. To some degree, uh, they're right, it was an insurrection which is far more than just a, a violent uh, activity, there were people uh, hell-bent on changing the outcome of the election by violence. And in a democracy, we're a better country than that. Normally, in America, we set the standard for how governments ought to operate. We're not a third-world uh, dictatorship. We're not... Uh, uh, anything like that. But what we had on January 6th was an embarrassment. It was a danger. Uh, former President Trump uh, orchestrated a lot of what went on with his rhetoric. And you know, if I have the bullet pulpit uh, of uh, the presidency and I tell people certain things, uh, if I invite them to come to Washington on January 6th. It's going to be wild. I've talked to millions of people. And so what happened, because of that conversation, uh, we had a lot of people who came to Washington uh, with, with bass spray, hockey pucks, golf sticks, Kevlar vests, helmets. That's not normal attire for a peaceful demonstration. And so we had people uh, defending the Capitol who lost their lives. We had people defending the Capitol who got hurt. And, and um, right now we're still going through the process of charging many of those people who broke the law. And now uh, I'm not sure when this podcast will uh, uh, run, but there's a great possibility that the former president of the United States will be one of those individuals formally charged. And so our committee spent almost two years looking at the facts and circumstances that brought about January 6th. We interviewed uh, hundreds of people. Uh, we collected thousands of exhibits. Uh, 
And once we completed our work, uh, we conducted several public hearings where the public saw and heard a lot of the work that our committee had put together. Uh, we shared that information with the Department of Justice. So I'm convinced that uh, the target letter that former President Trump got from the Department of Justice has a lot to do with the work that our committee did and shared with the Department of Justice. As the chairman of the Select Committee, Congressman Thompson held a role of profound significance, which becomes even more impactful when considering who he is and where he comes from. Well, let me tell you the irony of it is that, uh, you know, I gave you the, uh, my background in terms of where I came from. So I came from a part of the country that defended not just segregation, but slavery in, in the Civil War. I also came from a country, a, a part of the country that uh, practiced racial discrimination and, and something that almost split this country in two. But we were able, by the North winning the war, to avoid it. And coming full circle, a black man who would chair the January 6th Select Committee, uh, which was the next test internally on whether or not this country uh, would survive. And the fact that a black man from the segregated South who had been a victim of, of, of that discrimination actually chaired a committee that defended democracy. And so uh, I think, uh, as you said, in time, uh, people will understand <clears throat> the value of our committee. Uh, they'll understand the work product generated and how ultimately uh, it was the work of that committee that got us to the point that a majority of the people in this country uh, will say uh, that Donald Trump was the puppet master. He caused so much of it to the point that even people who worked for him said he was wrong. And that in America, no one is above the law, not even a president of the United States. Congressman Benny G. Thompson's life and career are a testament to the power of resilience, determination, and dedication to the principles of justice and equality. From his early days as a civil rights champion to his current role as a ranking member of the House Committee on Homeland Security, he has consistently fought for the betterment and safety of his community and the nation as a whole. The greatness, of, I said, of this country is that a black man uh, who daddy didn't go to school, whose mama taught him how to write his name, whose son uh, uh, can chair this committee. Uh, but my daddy 
died when I was 10th grade, never voting uh, because it was against the law for black people to vote in 1963 in Mississippi. And so I now uh, am the highest elected black person in the state. Uh, but I, I still remember uh, all the challenges uh, that black people had to go through. So a lot of my work is making sure that that never happens again. Uh, and so uh, if I get to be called uh, uh, an activist or civil rights person, that's fine. I just don't want anybody, uh, not just in Mississippi, but in this great country to ever have to endure anything like that. And right now, uh, Republicans are talking about doing away with any reference to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Can you imagine uh, in a country that will soon be majority-minority not creating opportunities for everybody who's here? And so that's why you have to continue to fight. Uh, democracy is not static. Uh, if we don't uh, protect and preserve it, then that might be another January 6th. And so that's why uh, we should pick our leaders wisely. And uh, the great equalizer in this country is that on election day, the homeless person and the billionaire, they're equal because they each have one vote. So guys, you know what that means. Get to the polls in your next election cycle. It is your power and your right as an American citizen. And if you're in the second congressional district, make sure you vote for Congressman Thompson because he's the one you need. Throughout this episode, we have delved into the journey of a man who has defied the odds and become one of the most influential leaders in my home state, Mississippi. And from his upbringing during segregation, leadership roles at Tougaloo College, in his hometown of Bolton, and in the halls of Congress, Congressman Thompson has proven his mission is to empower the voices of the underrepresented. I extend my heartfelt gratitude to the congressman for taking the time to share his insights and wisdom with me. His work and kindness have profoundly impacted me, my family, my state, and this nation. And I am truly honored to have had this opportunity to converse with him. I hope this episode can serve as a small tribute to his legacy and to you. Dear listener, thank you so much for joining us on this enlightening journey of the remarkable life and career of Congressman Benny G. Thompson. I hope you enjoyed the dialogue as much as I did. Your support and engagement make this podcast possible, and I look forward to bringing you more inspiring stories and discussions in the future. Until next time, I'm Yasmin Ware, and this was... Yasmin's Warehouse.